This, you, you need God and his word. And then you need to be in a church. One of the secrets of success is every graduate has to get connected to a church because we need each other. But this post-COVID thing, right? It's so nice to see people. I'm not looking at a Zoom screen anymore. <laughs> I did a comedy. On, I did a couple of comedy shows on Zoom screen with 50 little pictures around there. After every joke, people are typing in, LOL, LOL. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Unmute. I said, unmute, unmute. I need to hear laughter. You need to hear each other. You need to know we're just part of a screen, but we need each other. So anyway, so there, there's a whole thing on dangers and delays. Uh, no, that, that's a whole side sermon here. But delays are hard, aren't they? Is there any promise in Scripture that came quickly? How long did Abraham have to wait before he got that son? That God was going to make the father of many nations. How far did he have to go? How, how long between Joseph when he had the dreams before his brothers threw him in a pit? <laughs> Probably 14, 15 years. And then after the pit, how long before he became vice pharaoh? He was 30, right? 30 or 33. I, I'm, I'm terrible in details. Always check the details. But it was a long time. And, and he was in jail for part of that time. That's not battling down. That's not reigning and ruling. That's the opposite of my dream. But he clung to that dream. That's important stuff. Now, here's one of the biggest lessons in the life of Joseph. Has anybody wronged you? Uh, up on the picture is a waiter. It's a 40-year-old guy who's a waiter at a pizza shop in New York. Hardly the dream career. And again, I, 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 to part of today is to remember those who sacrifice, but also two stories about waiters and waitresses, because if you've ever done that, it's hard. They hustle, and they're carrying stuff, and they're moving, and they're doing stuff. And if you're in a pizzeria, it, it, you're not talking huge tips in a pizzeria. And one day, here it is at Patsy's Pizzeria. I've been there since 1933, the same corner in New York City. This guy who's not even part of the family, he's just a 40-year-old waiter. That seems almost sad. He's hustling. And this lady came in, actually two ladies came in, one older lady and a younger lady, probably her daughter. And they just seemed cranky, and they were picky on the menu, and they were just given attitude. And as he brought their food to them and tried to be cheerful, they noticed all the celebrities on the wall the pictures that were there in Patsy's Pizzeria, and he, they said, how come there's no women up there? And he said, because men eat more pizza than women. And he tried to make a joke, and he went on to wait on the other tables, and as he did, eventually he saw the ladies were gone. He thought, oh, they stiffed me, they stiffed me, they didn't even pay. And they went over to the table to start cleaning up, and he saw they had left exact change for their pizza and soda, and said, women also don't tip like men either. Ooh, anything. Just one more little jab. And as he's cleaning up the table, he noticed an envelope under a napkin that had a check for $438,000 made out to the bearer. Now, if somebody just stiffed you on a tip and gave you attitude when you were trying to serve, and they left a check that was not made out to a person, but to the bearer, what would you do? Your chance to get them back, get vengeance. Oh, 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 man, I know. I would wrestle with my sin nature, but he took it to his boss. They ran outside, and the ladies were gone. Probably got a cab, or they were just gone. And then they waited, and the lady didn't come back. And they waited three days, and the lady didn't come back. Well, it must be mine. They didn't come back. God, we gave you three days, but they put an ad in the paper. And the lady came back. She had sold her home that day. Her husband had left her. She had sold everything that she had 
That was her life savings, and she was about to move somewhere else, and everything she had was in that envelope. And she was mad at men, and she was mad at God, and she was mad at the world when she came into that pizza shop. <laughs> and he had a chance to stick it to her, and he didn't. She offered him a pretty substantial reward. He would not take it. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, not just betrayed, but they wanted to kill him. One brother speaks up and they decide just to sell him off into slavery. Like, that's a good deal. And then he gets in prison and he's falsely accused. And you would think if I was angry, and then, of course, you know, the whole story unfolds where eventually the brothers come in the midst of the famine and they don't recognize Joseph because he's clean-shaven and wearing Egyptian clothes and he's the vice pharaoh of the whole land. And they come in and he sees them and says, oh, now he did have a little fun with them. He did have a little fun with them. Yeah, hey, slip that little chalice in there and go and rearrest them. And, uh, and he sat them in order of their birth. And he did little things just to give them a little hint like, yeah, ooh, how does he know? How does he know? <laughs> but eventually... He does. He forgives them. Joseph is known not just for what he dreamt, but he's known for what he did not do. And we pray often the Lord's Prayer. There was a skit at the Indian Reservation where I was this past couple days. They did a skit on the Lord's Prayer where the lady lays, our Father who art in heaven, and then there's a voice, yes. <laughs> Some, whoever that is, be quiet, I'm praying. Yes. <laughs> and how would be thy name? Well, what does that mean? I don't know. And it goes down to forgive those, uh, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me or our debtors. And the Lord's voice says, well, what about Mary? Well, not her, Lord, not her. You know what she did to me? You know what she said? Wait, you just said the Lord's prayer. Are, are we really willing to forgive others as we want to be forgiven? Are there somebody in your life that their name or their presence makes you angry? That you pray that God would get them back? Oh, I got people. I got a list. I do have, I shared last week at my church when I, I did part of this message. I went to a healing seminar, and one of the things we had to do was take out a piece of paper and write down 10 people who hurt us. Oh, I got a list. I can do more than 10. People who lied about me, betrayed me, let me down, falsely accused me. I got a list in Christian business, Christian entertainment, in the church. And, uh, and then the guy said, well, here's the secret. Uh, one of the biggest secrets to healing is forgiveness. If you have anger or bitterness that's taken root in your heart, you need to call that person and forgive them. That's your homework. That was the whole seminar. Go, go right now. We got an hour. Go somewhere, get on your phone, and call people. And I did. And it was hard. And there were family members that I had to ask for things I had done or others who had hurt me. And I just said, I want you to know for whatever you said or did, I forgive you. I called one guy up, a pastor in this area who did something really painful to me. And I asked if I could take him to lunch. And when I went there and I told him the story, he didn't remember doing it. I was waiting 15 years for an apology and he didn't even remember. I was so angry and thinking, he must be losing sleep. He must be bothered. Oh, Lord, just, just give him guilt. He didn't even know. How crazy is that, that I was letting this anger eat me up and stop a relationship and dividing in the church? So if we don't learn anything else from Joseph, man, God will give you a dream. There's going to be things that are going to be opposites. It's going to require faith to keep going. And it's not just what you do. It's what you don't do. Don't get bitter. 
Don't hold on to grudges. It is one of the keys to revival that we need to forgive each other, even for things that aren't fair. Now, don't stay in victim. I mean, I'm not, I mean I, a lady said, well, you know, should I stay in my house? My husband's beating me. Well, you forgive. For, no, no, that's, I'm not talking victim stuff. Be smart. There's, but man, we, we need to stay out of trouble. So that, that's interesting stuff. So don't get vengeance. Now, here, here's one of my phrases. God will never make a bad thing good. You know, people misquote Romans 8.28 all the time. God will make all things good. God's going to work everything good. No, no, it's not what it says. God will make all things work together for good. But he never makes a bad thing good, but he can make something good come out of a bad thing. That, that is so important for anyone that's been through any kind of mental, physical, sexual abuse. It'll never be good. It will never be good what happened to you. But if you give it to God, he can make something good come out of it. Do you believe that? That requires faith. That requires some examples in Scripture. Has he ever made anything good come out of something bad? Does he not make beauty come out of ashes? Can he not exchange the garment of heaviness for the, with the oil joy? There are so many examples of how God can turn things around, but it requires faith and obedience. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. So, man, we need to know that. What's the famous quote in Genesis 50? It's up there. When Joseph, and, 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 and the dad died, Grandpa Jacob died. And, and uh, what, what did they come? They came to Joseph and said, oh, by the way, Joseph, yeah, before dad died, <laughs> he, he, he wanted to make sure you knew that you were supposed to bless us. Yeah, you know, don't be mad about that little throwing you in a pit and selling you in a slavery thing. <laughs> we're over that, right, Joseph? And now that dad's dead, you're, you're, you're not, you weren't just being nice because dad was here. And Joseph wept that they didn't know him well enough at that point, that they still were living in fear. And he said, do not fear. You know, you meant it for evil. I'm not telling you what you did was good. You meant it for evil. But God worked it together for good. Man, that's good stuff. So, all right, that's my introduction. Our second text. Now, actually, we have one more. We have one more point. One more point. And, and it's really what Joseph did last. Hebrews 11, you guys are good Bible scholars here. I don't know half of you, but I, this church is just known for teaching. What is Hebrews 11 called? The Hall of, Hall of Heroes, Hall of Faith, the faith chapter. It's got a list of all kinds of people, and God remembered them because without faith, it's impossible to please God. It defines what faith is in verse 1, and then it goes through a list of, of the Hall of Fame in the Old Testament of what these people did to demonstrate faith. Abraham's listed for three things. Talk to me. What did Abraham do that required faith? Well, before he brought a son up to the altar, he had a son. I'm as good as dead, and my wife, Mrs. Abraham, she's older than I am. Have you seen her? I mean, in, in the Hebrew, it says she's dried up. That's pretty vivid stuff. But he had faith enough to go on a date. That's faith. I'm not going to go any further, but that's, that's in the Bible. <laughs> that's in the Bible. Oh, oh, there's my alarm. That right, means I'm halfway done. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I was in Texas preaching down Texas. They preach all day. Oh, my God. They preach. They don't stop. And, and, and this one guy, he's going on and on. His best friend got up, was walking out of the church. He said, Billy Bob, where are you going? Billy Bob turned around and said, I'm going to go get me a haircut. He said, why didn't you do that before you came? He said, I didn't need one. <laughs> <laughs> 
I never promise to be short, but I promise not to be boring. Here we go. So, so that's my five-minute warning. You, got, you guys good? Five more minutes? I'm looking at that clock. We, we used to go till 12, and we didn't have air conditioning and fans when I was here. You didn't even have pads. Back in the old days, we didn't have pads on these pews. And they do get you right there, don't they? These pews, people were short when they built this church. <laughs> what is that? It's nice to be up here, not in those chairs. But here we go. Here we go. What did they do? Abraham went to a city that he knew not. He left the familiar to go to a land and he didn't even know where he's going. God commended him for that. And he had a son in his old age. And then eventually, that son that you love, I want you to sacrifice to me. Hey, I got 24 kids. I can't imagine. I can't imagine losing one. And if you only have one and you waited 25 years to get them, and you love him with everything you have, that's faith. Uh, what is it that Moses, uh, Moses' parents are listed. Not just Moses. Moses' parents were listed. Why? Because they did not fear the king's edict, but they had a son anyway and hid him. The parents are commended. Moses is commended not for the Red Sea, but he chose to endure the afflictions of this world and give up the pleasures of Egypt for a promise that was yet to come. That's pretty good faith. Uh, uh, the people at the Red Sea, yeah, we see it in the movie, we know the story, we know how it ends, but they'd never seen a Red Sea part. They never saw Charlton Heston. They never saw all the stuff. What was it like? How, far, how long did it take to walk across that Red Sea with that wind whipping back and holding it back on both sides? Could you see fish in the side? I don't, but it's like, hurry up, hurry up. And, and not only that, the Egyptians are, are following them. Well, first, they're trapped. And then God shows up with the pillar of fire and protects them. And then they, their faith is growing because our key phrase is from faith to faith, from faith to wherever you are right now, God's going to take you deeper. It's going to get harder because he wants you to trust him more. Man, that's good stuff. People at Jericho, I could not do Jericho. Six days marching around saying nothing. Oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. When we were at our men's retreat this last couple of weeks with the Indians, they had a time of silence. Five minutes is long. Five minutes of silence. Let's just listen to God. Just pray silently. Just wait on five minutes. This was six days. Hey, call me on the seventh. We're get, we get to shout. We get to talk. We get to sing. We do trash talk to the people on the wall. I'm ready for the seventh day. But they're commended for their faith for six days they didn't give up. Rahab, Gideon, and, and here's what it says at the bottom of the chapter. These are people that the world is not worthy of. People who did not receive the promise. They didn't receive everything. They saw progress. And folks, we haven't seen everything. He's not done yet. God still has more in the unfolding of his plan. And whatever he's going to do will require faith. More faith than what you have right now. Because you're going to get deeper in his word, and faith comes by hearing, and he, hearing by the word. As you exercise your faith and you step out of the boat, that's good stuff. Peter got rebuked. What did Jesus say when he walked on the water? Peter walked on the water. What about the other 11? They didn't even get out of the boat. Peter at least took a couple steps, and Jesus, I think he laughed. I always heard that story. There goes Peter. He offered the shortest prayer. I love studying the prayers of Scripture. Pray the prayers of Scripture. What was Peter's prayer? O oh, most holy God, who's created the heavens and the earth, thou who watches over the winds and the wave, I ask you, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> He only had time for three words. What were the three words? Lord, help me, save me. Boom. 
He's under. And there's a great picture, I don't have it here, of Jesus reaching through the water and pulling him up, standing him firmly on that water. And what did Jesus say? I always heard my dad, because often we view God like we view our dad, right? Oh, ye of little faith. (laughs) Why did you doubt? That's how I heard it for years. Then I saw one of these new videos of, of the life of Jesus, and Jesus is laughing. He pulls him out of the water, kind of brushes the water off. It's like, Peter, why did you doubt? <laughs> you, you have little faith. Look, look, look how far you made it. You were doing good, buddy. You were doing good until you took your eyes off of me and, and looked on the world. And man, what a different view of God. It doesn't tell you in Scripture what God's tone sounded like. But the only thing the disciples were ever rebuked for was their lack of faith. Do you still not believe? Do you still not believe? Hey, here's a great example of faith. This guy's not even a Jew. And he said, Lord, just speak the word and it's going to happen. That's great faith. He applauded faith. So here we go. We've got to keep going. So what's the last thing Jesus did? Excuse me, Joseph. What's the last thing Joseph did? He, he made a will. What's in your will? You know, there's a commercial, what's in your wallet? What's in your will? Do you have a will? Most of us are not prepared. Seventy-some percent in the church don't have a will. Be prepared on that, but, but think about your, your last days. David Brenner is a comedian. I'm told I look like. Do I look like that? Tall, skinny Jewish guy from South Philly? <laughs> Some of the young kids don't even know who David Brenner is. He was the number one comedian in the world in 1974-75, and I won the look-alike contest. Got on the Mike Douglas show. Got to meet David many times. Got to witness to his family the day before he died. He was an atheist, an angry atheist, a good comedian, clean comedian, but he was an angry atheist. I don't know that he came to the Lord, but he left a will, and in his will he said, I want to put $101 bills in my sock in case there's tipping where I go. <laughs> he was a comedian till the end, but he was planning ahead. Leona Hemsley, the millionaire, remember her? She left $15 million to her 10-year-old dog. Mark Grunewald, one of the cartoonists in the uh, Avenger series, when he died, he had his body cremated, his ashes mixed with the ink, and put into a special edition of Supreme Squadron because he wanted to live in immortality. You're in a comic book. And, it, and it really, it's not you. That's, your, that's what's left of your body, your soul. Right? There's eternal destinies. So there's important what we leave in our will. Of all the things uh, in the... Hebrews 11, Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith, the heroes of the faith. What was Joseph commended for? I'll give you a hint. His will. In fact, let's let's look at it. I haven't really looked at the scriptures. I mean, I've quoted a lot of scriptures because I'm trying to give you an overview. To do this, I need my glasses. Hebrews, Hebrews 11. Where is Hebrews? It's in the New Testament, right? That's a joke. That's a joke. You guys are getting serious. I know you're tired, you're hungry. Here we go. Do you have faith that I can finish this in two minutes? Do you have faith? Hebrews 11. Look at verse 22. By faith, by faith, by faith. That phrase is all through here. Hebrews 11:22. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. Have you seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? Do you remember that scene when they do the Passover and they start walking through the Red Sea? That there was instructions gone to get the body of Joseph and the priest carried it. And every 20, 30 seconds as they're showing all the people marching, they would show these guys with the sarcophagus singing the Hebrew prayers. 
it's a great scene, and it, it's so subtle that you may not pick up on it, but that was 400 years after Joseph died. Faith that someday, somehow, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my daddy, he said he was going to give us a land, and I believe that promise. In fact, my daddy, Jacob, said, don't bury me here. Take me back. Take me back, because God's got a plan for that land. That is faith. That is faith. And Joseph is commended for that faith. In fact, Genesis 50, let's look at this. I was going to do a whole word study, but I'm just going to wrap it up. Genesis 50, read this more on your own, the, the last chapter that talks about Jacob's death and then Joseph's death. Again, look at verse 22, 50, 22. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years, and he saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also, the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid or visit you and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the son of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then... You must carry my bones up from this place. Twice, he had a dream that was repeated. Twice, Joseph says, God will surely come. The word, the word, the word is P-A-Q-A-T in Hebrew. It's an interesting word with seven different aspects of the meaning, to visit, to judge, to impart, to gather, to muster, to war. But God will surely, P-A-Q-A-D-U, God will surely do this for you. It is an amazing, rich Hebrew word. I don't have time to get into it. Do a little word study. Check that out. But the other word that Joseph had was faith. God will surely. God, and the word for faith is pistos, right, in the Greek? And most of you know that. My greatest illustration of faith, I heard this when I first got saved, Henry Blondin. True story. Back in the 1800s when there was no TV, no entertainment, the largest gathering of people for an entertainment event was Henry Blondin. They paid almost a month's salary to see this guy walk across Niagara Falls on a high wire. Can you imagine? That's entertainment. Is he going to fall? Is he not going to fall? He did it seven times. He walked across. He stopped and had lunch in the middle. There was a boat came underneath. They pulled up a lunch pail. He sat on the thing and had lunch. Then he rode a bike back and forth. He did it seven times. At the end, his seventh time, he said, how many want to see me do it one more time? Yay! The thousands on either side said, we want to see it. We want to see it. One more time. We paid all this money. We got nothing else. There's no TV. There's no radio. What are you going to do? Thousands waiting. He said, how many believe I can do this one more time? We believe. How many people believe I can go across here with a blindfold on? We believe. How many people believe I can go across here with a blindfold and a guy on my back? We believe. Who wants to get on my back? <laughs> True story. True story. His son got on his back. His son had faith. Whoop. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. Wow, do you have faith God's going to get you to heaven that what he did on the cross was sufficient to pay for every one of your sins? That's saving faith. But Romans 1.17 says we are to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, that we should be growing. When I got saved, I don't know if I could trust God for $10. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? We start taking in kids. How am I going to get this kid through college, the first one? We had a kid in college for 21 straight years. 
two for 13 straight years, two at once. How could we ever, how could we ever? We didn't. God did. And we just took in our 20 for a child. She wants to be a doctor. That's 11 more years. How am I going to? I'm not. How is God going to? If God wants you to be a doctor, he's going to get you into medical school. He's going to get you a scholarship. He's going to provide a job because all of my kids work side jobs because hey, I'll do what I can, but I can't, I can't pay that. I can't do that. I think five of our seven kids, uh, they, they graduated debt-free. And most of them borrowed a little bit because they didn't want me to work so hard. My one son told me, I said, Why, what, what's, what's this college loan thing? He said, Dad, you're working three jobs. I don't want you to, I, I can do that. I was touched that he cared about me, but I was like, where's your faith? Didn't you see your other 12 brothers and sisters? They made it through. Don't try to help God. That's what got Abraham in trouble with Ishmael, right? So we need faith, folks. We need faith. Tough times are coming. Revival is coming. I believe with all my heart, and it will require faith. Not just to get you to heaven, but to meet your needs, to give you strength, to deliver you from darkness, to tear down strongholds. God is going to move your faith, which means he's going to put you in a place where you need it. So here we go. We're closing. I have a mustard seed, and I'm not afraid to use it. I love that. How big is your faith? If you just have a little, it can do a lot. A little faith in a big God can do a lot. But remember, Jesus rebuked the disciples. O ye of little faith. Little faith. Why did you doubt? Haven't you been watching what I've been doing for three years? You should have more faith by now. You shouldn't be panicking by now. And, and he expects our faith to grow. Well, again, we started with facts. Is this true? Is this true? Did Joseph really do this? Did he really have a will and ask to be buried in another land? Wouldn't it be interesting if they found in Egypt a tomb of a guy who wore a multicolored coat and held Pharaoh's staff and was next to a little pyramid, which is the sign of a dignitary, but not a king, not a pharaoh, but a small pyramid? What if they, fa what if they found that in the last three years? And it's now on the cover of a book telling you the story. And, and well, 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 when they found this, the tomb was empty. But it wasn't empty like the other tombs of the pharaohs that were broken into by grave robbers. The door was open. The bricks were laid aside. It's as though somebody took their time, opened the door, and took out the body. That's a brand new discovery, folks. Does that improve your... Well, where did it end up? Well, if you go to Shechem, where Joseph gave instructions, there's a building like this, and it's called Joseph's Tomb. You know what the rockets and all that's going on in Israel right now? You know what just happened? If you looked at the news to that tomb, they threw burning tires into that tomb. The Arab people aren't real happy that a guy named Joseph said, this is a land promised to the fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they just recently torched that tomb. Joseph's tomb in Shechem, the very place that Joseph gave instructions in his will. I want your faith to grow in God and in his word. God will surely, God will surely visit you, bless you, guide you. His word and his purposes cannot fail. So people are calling this COVID thing a time of reset. God is resetting the church. He's reorganizing, reprioritizing. We're seeing who's in. Pastors are dropping out left and right at a record rate. Pastors are dropping. Why? I don't think they were ever called. It was a job. They took it. They weren't called. They weren't gifted. You could never quit if you were a pastor. Well, I'm not getting paid. I, 
I didn't get paid my last two years at Garden City, but I wasn't going to quit. God called me here. I'm not quitting, and it's reopened, and it, now it's doing well. So here's the question. What is God calling you to? He will call you to something, and it will require faith. So how much will it require? I don't know, but my guess is more than you have today. So get into his word. Take a step and watch 